0: Welcome to the Legendarium. But they influence things in the pattern at just the right moments. It's the Tom Bombadils. Oh, I was
1: thinking like John the Beloved or something. Sure.
0: Sure. I was going with Tom Bombadil. (laughs) 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 I went
1: went biblical. You went quasi biblical. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fifty Shades of Grendel. I am Craig Hanks, <laughs> your host, and over there, when he talks, it's like listening to a drug car. I'm in danger of losing my soul, especially when he leans in for that kiss. It's Ken Johnson.
2: Dude, you wish.
1: Nope, no, <laughs> I don't wish. Yeah. And no, he too far. He's a lot like Loyal. I used to think he was pretty cool, but now he's just boring and pointless. It's Ryan Bruckman. You just have a thing for my big ears. And <laughs> Harry, you feet. know what they
3: say about big ears.
1: I don't
3: big uh, ear muffs.
1: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and over there <laughs> and over there on a scale from one to land fear the ladies all rate him at about uno it's kyle lemon
3: <laughs> i'll take it man that's uh. a step up
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right so welcome to the legendarium podcast everybody uh i'll tell you why i made the joke at the beginning in just a moment but first um uh, patreon.com slash legendarium please support the show there on an ongoing basis we really appreciate our patrons and it'll be especially important as we're uh, now trying to outfit the studio, which we've been hard at work at pretty much all day. Uh, we spent the last, what, five hours? Not you, Kyle. Yeah. Not I'm, me. I'm looking at Kyle, and he's the only one who didn't. The three, <laughs> the other three of us are hey, covered brought pizza, in- though. That's true. We're all covered in drywall dust, uh, but that place is looking pretty good. So it should be just a few more weeks, and it'll be up and running. And by drywall dust, he means cocaine. well i mean code code names kyle this is uh this is public yeah um anyway and also make sure you go to thelegendarium.reddit.com and uh you can join the conversation there and i think i should probably post a uh little update picture there as well uh let you guys know how the studio is coming along uh and then the other thing i'll mention this is this is our final wheel of time episode in the series now uh, i think maybe in you know six months or a year or something we will do new spring it's going to happen uh, but it's just not going to happen right now uh, so for for all intents and purposes this is our final wheel of time episode and so we hope that you guys will stick around and join us the next series that's coming up is narnia which will be recorded concurrently with our Oathbringer episodes so the uh, the idea right now is that we'll do one or two Narnia episodes, and then we'll do an Oathbringer episode. And we'll do Oathbringer like we did the other Stormlight books, where we, do, we read uh, sections 1 and 2, we do an episode on that uh, without spoiling the rest of the book, and then we do uh, parts 3 and 4 and do an episode, and then we'll do part 5 and a wrap-up. Uh, so there should be three Oathbringer episodes. We'll do those concurrently with our Narnia stuff, and once we're done with Narnia, it's on to Kingkiller Chronicles. Um, and I know that uh, I'm not the only one looking forward to that, so should be a lot of fun. And I think, yeah, Kyle, you're not on Narnia or Oathbringer, are No, you? sir.
3: I'll be back for King Killer, but in the meantime, I will be catching up on Mistborn.
1: So yes, yeah. and maybe some other Stormlight stuff, depending on how fast you read. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So let's talk Wheel of Time today. We are we we finished the entire series um obviously except for new spring um but we finished all 14 books and so today is a bit of a retrospective talking about some of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about before uh, because as kyle has said over and over and over again at least to me personally i don't know about on the on the episodes but uh one of the hallmarks of this series is that uh the the planning was all there mm-hmm. um and i mean okay that's maybe not all <laughs> and that's maybe something we could talk about but things that show up in book one book two book three they really do matter all the way through the series right mm-hmm. and so that's the kind of thing that maybe we haven't had a chance to talk about and so we wanted to talk about the series as a whole maybe talk about a few of the things from the early books uh, now in light of having completed the series That sort of thing. And so I put out the call on Reddit on both our subreddit and at the uh, Wheel of Time subreddit. And boy, did you guys answer that call within, gosh, it's been less than 24 hours. And uh, we've had a couple dozen comments. Mm -hmm. And so we'll get to many of those. Probably not all. Sorry, everybody. But you did very well (laughs) sending us comments. So we may not get to all of them uh but let's start uh kyle i wanted to kick it to you if you wanted to pick the first one to address or if you had your own you wanted to bring up first before we do the reddit stuff
3: yeah actually the one that i brought to talk about because i'm selfish and we're going to go with me first yes yes me um, first
1: is uh is the rallying cry is
3: i wanted to ask the podcast if there was anything within the series that you would change or something that really disappointed you um because one of my big, like, like I said, this is my favorite series of all time. I've said it a million times. Um, but my one major criticism for the entire series and the one thing that I think that Jordan slash Sanderson really failed at, more Jordan than Sanderson because he's just kind of going the He's the architect, right. Is we never saw a major character consciously turn to, you know, Team Shadow. Like, you could, you could argue rand was on the descent and he turned into darth rand and he had his epiphany and we we all know that but what we would never had was somebody one of the main characters whether it's somebody from the two rivers or tom Marilyn or you know moraine or somebody that's our first tier we don't have anybody that actually turned to the shadow and and vice versa we never had anybody like forsaken level that consciously came back now we had asmodian that was cut off from the dark one but it wasn't his choice So one of the things that I really wish would have happened throughout this series was one or the other, if not both, having a main first tier, either villain or main character, switch sides. Um, Yeah, my money would have been on for switching to the dark would have been either Egwene or Perrin simply because of their personalities. Egwene is... Almost identical to the way that they describe a lot of the Forsaken and and why the Forsaken turned over to the Shadow in the first place was for ambition and wanting to rule and having all this power and things like that. So that would have fit really well with her personality and Perrin would have been really easy to have him switch over because he basically, I mean, he flat out said that he would do anything for Fai'el even right. joined so, the dark side, essentially. So if they had captured so, Fai'el and yeah. said,
1: you can have her back if you serve the dark lord. So that would have been my big thing.
3: Or like having Asmodian actually make the decision to be part of the light side. Uh, right. Or land fear coming back. Because I, we throughout the series we hear, you can never be so gone that you can't turn back. But right. that never happened on either side. We saw it with some secondary tertiary characters, but I would have liked to see it on a major scale.
1: Yeah, um, I just want to come to the defense of Egwene real quick, and we don't have to belabor this because I know we've talked about her a lot before. But we will. <laughs> uh, but uh, Egwene doesn't, she never did seek uh, power, at least like political power. Mm. No, 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 no. She sought knowledge um, and she oh. sought uh, skills and whatnot, but then the when she came back, stop shaking your head you are 100% <laughs> wrong when she came back to uh Salidar they like it was thrust upon her and then once she was there she said i'm not going to just be a puppet right and so she did go about consolidating her power and uh you know and and solidifying her seat and all of that stuff but she did not ever say
3: like mm. I disagree wholeheartedly yeah, because I, maybe I need to she, go back and reread because when she's in the two rivers she wants to be wisdom. She wants to be wisdom because that's the highest seat of power within her village. As soon as Moraine comes along, she realizes that the Aes Sedai can be something greater than that. She wants that. So she's seeking that greater power. <laughs> and you say <laughs> it's, you say away. it as knowledge? You say it as knowledge and that's true. She wants the knowledge, but she wants the power that comes with that. Maybe, so,
1: maybe. Um, it's the
3: ambition that she has, and it can be knowledge, it can be power, whatever, but that's exactly what the Forsaken would want when they turned, is they wanted more knowledge, they wanted more power, they wanted, because they have that ambition. So, yeah. I guess- I'm not saying that she is, we all know that I like her, You I don't like her,
1: you like her, yeah. whatever, we can leave it at that. Yeah, again, we don't have to belabor this, so maybe But we the personality on. trait
0: is the same as yeah. what I'm po- pointing out. Okay, all right. The one that I would have picked to go to the dark would have been Nynaeve. I think that fits really well. Her Just block, because of how angry she huh? is? and Anger, partially, but you could have taken her block, and the dark gives her an opportunity to mm-hmm. remove that block, and so she chooses to go dark mm-hmm. to get full power and everything, but could have a redemption See? arc through land coming back when she realizes mm-hmm. that he's there it's a way that you could have played that mm-hmm. and still made that work see
3: i would have seen it as very similarly but her whole motivation was to protect the two rivers kids mm-hmm. and if she had to go dark to protect them i could see her doing that and then have some sort of redemption arc as well so i agree with that
0: it could have i think it can it could have started very similar to Varen, um mm-hmm. and then ends up you know going a little more than she can control and then having to actually come back you know mm-hmm. So, Ken, if you could change
1: one thing about the Wheel of Time, what would it be?
2: I would have, uh, I said it at the end of the other episode, I think I would have liked to have seen more death. Not, I mean, there was plenty of death, there was death of plenty, but I mean, more deaths among the main characters, or the major characters, or even the secondary and tertiary characters, it didn't seem like enough people died, and and I liked all the characters, you know, and it was it was
1: sad to well, see so Well, did Swan make a joke about died. how, like, the, the population of the world is greatly decreased after mm-hmm. the last battle. Yeah. important people, though, right? But...
2: Yeah, I would have liked to have seen some of the principals should have. I mean, it should have died. I I thought I made a whole big long list of people who I thought would die and who I thought would live, and except for two, every single person on that list that I thought would live lived, and half of the list of people that I thought would die lived. Yeah, and, and it's sense. just just too many too many people, in my opinion. Which I I don't want to see like my favorite characters die or anything like that, but I. But I would, I would like to have, I don't know, that emotional
0: my, my, I know what you mean. My question yeah. is, we, I feel like we've started as a as a culture to demand a sacrifice of a character <laughs> in everything that we do. Did you ever see the episode of South Park with
1: Britney Spears? No. <laughs> She's like the sacrifice to the corn god. It's hilarious. It's off the charts. Anyway, sorry. Go so, on.
0: I I think that there is nothing wrong with killing off characters, and I think that there's definitely, you know, a purpose to it. And that's the key phrase, is there a purpose to it? And in this story, killing off some of those characters would not have served any additional purpose, other than to just say... Just to raise the stakes.
2: Not necessarily. I I mean... It, it could have it, yeah. if they died for a purpose, if they died purpose. I don't want to see him die just to just to I, die and tug at emotion. But if they, it served a purpose, I would have liked I, to see. I it. do think that you have a point. I think you both have a point. But I think
3: uh, it's one of the bigger criticisms is sometimes the stakes don't feel high enough. Like, oh, our Taviran are going to get out of this because we need them? You know, they're going to live because they're the heroes. And they're it's it's the the main fantasy trope of like the hero is going to live all the way to the end and happy ending,
1: whatever. Yeah. So, well, that reminds me, I, so, I have a minor thing that I would change and a major thing that I would change. Yeah. The the minor thing would be on that note of what you were just saying. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of prophecies and men's visions and mm-hmm. all this stuff uh, that that lowers those stakes. Uh-huh. Uh, now, he does play around with it a little bit. Like when Elaine is pregnant, and she's like, well, I know I'm going to have my baby, so I'm going to be fine. And, you know, she makes some stupid decisions. But on the whole, that oftentimes felt like, oh, geez. Okay, so we know mm-hmm. that this character is going to last, you know, for mm-hmm. however long. Like, Matt was a great example of that. Going through, everybody going through the the archway to go see mm-hmm. the, the, what are their names? Yeah, the okay, Elfin. The Elfin and Elfin. Um a lot of that served to take away any tension from Matt chapters for me. He was still very amusing and interesting and all of that, but all the tension mm-hmm. kind of went away because I knew he was going to be around forever. Yeah. Uh, so been, that's kind of what, what you're talking about. What would have been
3: an interesting twist is had you had one of the main Taviran or one of the main girls die like in book five or six. Right. Like you, we did it with Moraine sort of, but everybody knew she was Gandalfing? Yeah, she was Gandalfing. Yeah. But if you had one that actually died, then it raised, you don't have to kill everybody. Just one of them at a pivotal moment, halfway through the series or something, it raises the stakes like, okay, he's willing to take away one of our main characters. And I'm wondering if we're reading this, you know, post, post Game of Thrones, Post-Martin post Martin era, yeah. that yeah. kind of <clears throat> stuff. Because, like, before that, it wasn't nearly as, like, expecting, you know, everybody's expecting, okay, who's going down? But this is a different style. This was right. you know, a decade before. So I don't know.
0: Sorry, I can't think of any early fantasy off the top of my head that would be this genre or earlier that that has that, that has that, that piece to it. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: that makes sense. And I I am absolutely willing to admit that I'm kind of a, a product of my time and I'm used to a certain type of storytelling. Uh, but because this series was written and ended when it did, I kind of feel like it, you know, it's it's in my era mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I'm expecting this type of storytelling and it wasn't there and and I guess that's not a bad thing. It's just if I were writing it, that might be something that I would change. It's kinda of changing up those stakes a little bit. Uh but I do want to get to the major thing that I would change. Um and I feel like this could probably take us through the entire podcast. So we shouldn't <laughs> let it. Um reel it in. This but this this is my major change. i was I remember making a prediction very early on in the books, and it did not come true. And I was a little disappointed on that. Rand did not break the wheel. Um, and so I was oh. kind of hoping that um that the character's conception of what the wheel of time is, what the purpose is, what the pattern is, and how it kind of ties in with uh, who's the creator and and how is everything happening here um what are you laughing or coughing? Sorry. no, no keep <laughs> okay going. uh mm. anyway and so I, I was hoping that they would kind of come to the realization that they didn't understand what it was all about after all mm-hmm. and um and that i i guess i feel a little bit like ugh, like ugh, weird mm-hmm. that everybody's just going to go through all this all over again so the Dark One is in his prison, but then somebody's going to find a way to create a boar, mm-hmm. and Probably. the Dark One's going to kind of start to seep out again, and then the dragon Probably. will have to be... Yeah, right. Probably. Right. This is, all, this is all fan canon. I get that. But, like, it's pretty good fan canon as far as I'm concerned. Um, yes. Anyway, and so the ending just felt a little bit like, oh, oh, so status quo. Great um anyway so what i was hoping for and the change that i would make uh and this may be again this may be just because i'm a product of the stories that i have been reading in my especially in my adult life i would have expected for them to realize oh no the we we need to break the wheel we have to get out of this Mm -hmm. cycle that we're in because mankind can't actually progress
0: nothing so, nothing shatter the wheel make the loom of doom instead so the one <laughs> cuz i
3: i think that that would be a great story i think that that would be very different from your your usual fantasy trope you yeah. know but the one thing to remember is that this story the whole universe of the wheel of time is supposed to be set in our world on a different turning of the wheel right. so if we're reading this as a history so theoretically
1: and, and a future
3: yeah the well if you think about it, like we're reading it as a history, these are stories that happened in the past because we have but they're,
1: them. But they're referencing uh, Mercedes, yeah, because it's all part of yeah, like, a, right. as a
3: past, as a future, whatever. Right. We wouldn't have these books because if Rand destroys the pattern and it's done, then we can't read them. It's we're part of right. that universe.
1: Yeah. No. And I, I guess it, it would absolutely change funda- everything <laughs> fundamentally. It would sure. change everything uh, about that that sort of thing mm-hmm. but i guess um it, again if i were writing this that sure. would have been the type of uh of twist mm-hmm. ending mm-hmm. them realizing that the yeah. wheel has got to go and like i said yeah. i like
3: i just think that it unravels the foundation of the whole world right so it it would work as like a twist but i think that it would discredit a lot of the work that you did yeah for that to happen
0: yeah i'm sure that it I, I knew this was coming, and I, and I know I'm going to make a fool of myself in this discussion. Yeah. Um, I think that we might be, and I have to say might because I don't have the additional materials to bring in here, we might be assuming a lot. Um, because as far as I understand, we only know about what has happened in this cycle. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And this is the third... No. We're in the third age. We don't know what cycle. We don't know what yeah. cycle. So to say, well, it's just going to happen again and it happened before is not necessarily true. We don't know what happened before. We don't know that it's going to happen again. That's why I keep saying probably. Mm-hmm. Because we're it's assuming that this wheel continuously does the exact same thing. Well, I mean, that's the purpose. No, it doesn't. No, like it it says, plays out
3: differently. Mm. So there is, you know, there is your champion of the light. There is the dragon that's reborn that has to fight the dark one, but it plays out differently. And in fact, you know, Ishamael says that, you know, there have been times when the dragon has turned to the dark right to the whatever, shadow. Yeah. when the dark one has won. And I was actually thinking about this after our last recording, that the only way that, that the dark one actually wins is if he does what you say, Craig, is if he actually, if Rand breaks the wheel, the dark one is not capable of destroying the pattern. The dark one cannot do that. He has to get the dragon to destroy the pattern. And so... That's the only way that the dark one will ever win, but there have been cycles so what you're where the dark is, one has won the last battle and yeah. the next full age has been in darkness or whatever. And so it will happen differently, like Ryan's saying. It just kind of depends on who the champion is, what the things
1: you know, what guess, plays out. I guess my my point comes back to uh, progress, and I like the idea that human beings as individuals and as societies mm-hmm. can progress. And the entire idea of the Wheel of Time, that entire conceit, means that there is no progression. Well, sure. It's within its own... Yeah, scale. there's yeah.
3: progression that's with, on a scale. So you're going back and forth, right. and they're regressing and progressing exactly. within their...
1: So there's no real progression. It's kind of like uh, that old saying how there's no such thing as a lost cause because there's mm-hmm. no such thing as a gained cause. Um, anyway doesn't matter
2: is that like saying though that i mean doesn't really matter what happens here because we all know eventually it ends in death and so you know
1: yeah the, well basically what i'm trying to say is I would, make, I, would make, I, right? I would make would so, make a terrible terrible dragon so reborn now let's move on
3: craig is morden <laughs> and ishamael is sure i he will wants, take that he wants his oblivion
1: because you know what so you and bill are gonna billy body zane, swap billy zane <laughs> billy zane is a cool dude he's just trying to help you you out. two are gonna body
3: swap at the end of this episode yep all right oh dear Uh,
1: all right let's let's move on to some reddit comments what do you say um the one the joke up top i i mentioned 50 shades of grendel because somebody asked um what (laughs) it was oh that's right does anything scare you as much as wearing the odd the item i'm not sure there is anything that comes from barrett 907k um and i i totally agree and then was it you kyle that brought up that uh, the idom can be
0: used not just no, that was right. Pain. Right. No, that was right, not just pain <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just pain it, it can it can go other ways it doesn't have to be a bad bds and a idom so. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh no but to his point i'm not sure i can't think of anything off the top of my head because the thing that scares me the most is kind of losing my uh my freedom my individual will right yeah. And uh so that that is terrifying. And like he says, this uh like the comment around Reddit says, Robert Jordan did an amazing job in book two of describing the horror that Egwene goes through. Mm-hmm. He died on. So But uh, I think it
2: was when when Rand got it slapped on him by Grand not by Grandall by uh simarag, simarag. Mm-hmm. And and almost kills men. And, and, yeah, choking I mean, that whole scene yeah. just I it's startled. I guess startled for lack of a better word, just I was like oh I have would never want to experience that ever Uh,
1: okay it would be horrible it would be (laughs) another question what do we got um here we go Uh, i'll do metal pony (laughs) thank you reddit (laughs) thank you so much for being i love usernames uh what scenes stuck with you most which one power abilities were your favorite um what and what do you think was most inventive uh let's see objects artifacts or buildings favorites uh basically what were the best things that you took from Watt? what are the things you're going to take with you um i i really like the imagery of the saw Mm
2: -hmm, going
1: across the eyes those little black flecks growing across going across the eyes I, I know it's a little thing. It's not that big a deal. It doesn't play that much into the story or whatever. But, but it's uh, super creepy, man. But it, it's it very is. creepy. It was an excellent image. I think I'm going to carry that one with me for a long time. What mm-hmm. about you guys?
2: The image that was creepiest to me was that of the golem. And just the way he could slide <laughs> under doors and slide mm-hmm. through spaces. And the the freaky nature of his his voice and the soullessness of, of, of its eyes. is like, and I that is a little bit disappointing too that there were six golems made and we only saw one, like come on where were the rest? But but yeah, just the the nature of how the golem moved and how it killed and everything was freaky cool.
1: Yeah, it was very. Good. Um,
3: the idea of the Corsuvra mm, right. for me that's yeah. super cool oh, yeah. and and might be even creepier than the I'd, I'm going back to the last question. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. point. Um, is that Corsuvra somebody owning your soul and Cause like, it does a lot of the and same when Moradin right? like strokes the necklace and then they can like feel like that shiver down their spine like somebody's like stroking the soul (laughs) man yeah that's creepy yeah Yeah. Ryan Billy Squire's dream (laughs) stroke me stroke me
0: so there's a bit of imagery that stuck with me and I I really don't know why but I think that one of the coolest things in this is the I want to remember their actual names the giant statues that are controlled by the little keys
3: coding call oh
0: yes show it on call um i there's in a lot of fantasy literature you end up with these beautiful statues of kings or or different things and i i just loved the visual of having two of them like and holding a glass orb somewhere that just kind of explode with light and Mm -hmm. that you can channel so much through i i i loved that and i'm glad that they got rid of it when they did in the story you know because it's too big of a power mm-hmm. use but i i loved those um yeah okay
1: all right uh did you find one that you wanted to to talk about kyle uh
3: question yeah um yeah we can do who was it they had a really good question about um the folklore and the myth mythology yeah don
1: quixote 81 and
3: uh whether or not we should credit the wheel of time as so so here's a the stepping question.
1: stone Would you agree, so I guess this is an assertion from Don Quixote, that the Wheel of Time represents a vital stepping stone for fantasy literature between the mythological and folkloric work of Tolkien and modern gritty fantasy novels like Martin, Joe Abercrombie, Patrick Rothfuss, etc.? Um, I love love this question because, I mean, short answer, yes. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. yes. Now, for me, then, the question becomes why? What sort of stepping stone is it? Why does it take us from one to the other? And we've talked about it a little bit where the first book especially and the first three books kind of in general, uh, less or so as you go, really feel a lot like The Lord of the Rings or like um, uh, what was the other one we read with uh, the, the five book series with the little wizard? Oh, kid? the Belgariad. The Belgariad the oh, yeah. or you know, some Shannara stuff or something. It feels a lot like that. And then it moves on and gets deeper and deeper and more and more detailed and i think that that is the the um that's the kind of key to it Mm -hmm. where now tolkien was incredibly detailed and rich in his world building and that's where i think a lot of people took the idea of world building from but what he didn't do uh and he didn't do this very much on purpose uh you know people would ask him out of the shire <laughs> now people used to ask Tolkien like you know nobody in your books nobody in your books ever takes a dump nobody ever has sex nobody ever you know th- these little day-to-day tasks and Tolkien's like, well no, this is a story that's not what stories are it's mm-hmm. not the purpose and so that older style of story yes yeah, you can get a very rich and detailed world with all about cultures and languages and money systems and magic and all this stuff. Uh but you still kind of maintain that distance mm-hmm. uh, from the characters. Uh, you know, you're looking down on this map, right? Watching it all happen. And what Robert Jordan did, I think, was uh he really zoomed in. You know, it took him freaking fourteen books to do it, but uh, but he zoomed in on every single character and you got to know every character's uh inner thoughts in a very detailed way, you you know these people intimately. And so that, I think, is the biggest difference mm-hmm. um, between those two modes of storytelling. so that when you have, different payoffs they feel Mm. different than they might have 50 60 70 years ago
3: well and i think what he did on a very practical like real world level is that he proved that it can work he proved that people would buy these books and so (laughs) you absolutely do not have a martin or a sanderson or a rothfuss or anybody like that unless you have the wheel of time because the reason they're the first books are the way that they are is because publishers wouldn't publish anything that wasn't like the lord of the rings so he very purposely like craig said made it like lord of the rings and then slowly brings you out into his own world and shows you this is something different this is something big and new and and uh you know martin himself credits the you know the cover comment that jordan wrote for for game of thrones as a big reason why the first book of game of thrones sold was because there was a robert jordan quote on there and obviously you have sanderson who finished this series and um, but publishers need to be, you know, you need to prove that you it need works. need to reassure them, yeah. And so once he proved that people would buy books that are this big, this long, this detailed, this focused, like Craig was saying, it's opened up a whole universe for all these different creative minds to create their own worlds. And, you know, and publishers... Not, not
1: just create the worlds, but to uh, but to give readers 3, 5, 10, 30 books mm-hmm. to... to to be do that right Mm
3: -hmm. so yeah absolutely i think this series is a very key stepping stone into the modern gritty fantasy because because a lot of people like to say you know and we just we talked earlier about being post martin era like we're expecting all these people to die and all this kind of stuff um and then people will pick up the wheel of time after every after having read game of thrones and say oh well it's just light it's not as dark or whatever but it's very very dark and gritty it's just not as in your face and so it definitely has shifted that pendulum over to that gritty sort of fantasy right. and allowing
0: these other creators to, to make their stories. I'm kind of interested. I, I had a discussion, um, with a couple people the other day, we just came out of seeing uh, the greatest showman. And, um, I feel like we're about to take another swing of the pendulum in another direction with our storytelling in fantasy and, and film and a lot of this, um, back to a little bit more emotional storytelling than the reality uh, which I it, it kind of surprised me at first when I had that first thought but as I look through this series it to me it was a swing a little bit out of the the uh, the fantasy like you talked about the Lord of the Rings fantasy the logical mode yeah mm-hmm. into into a little more of the the reality style that we want you know yeah people do have sex yes they do have to you know go use the bathroom sometimes they have you know we get a little little pieces of that we don't want a whole book about it um we're not martin after all yeah we we, we start <laughs> to get that and so you start to see it there and now we've swung really far to the pendulum the other way so i have a feeling that maybe in the next major book series you know maybe after sanderson's cosmere or something like that we start to see it swing back away from a little bit of the reality and a little bit more of just the emotional connection to the mythology
3: mm. and having some of that disconnect that you know craig was talking about with 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 tolkien where it's like we don't want that we just want a story we don't want to be reminded of the real world because we go to the stories to escape the real world
2: mm-hmm. right we just want the fable um
1: okay so next question uh from greg 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 13 greg 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 greg, greg 13 asks uh what it says one of my favorite elements of the series is the variety and creativity of the antagonists the Dark One and the Forsaken get and deserve most of the attention. However, there's a fantastic rogues gallery for our heroes to battle throughout the series. Trollocs, Merjol, Darkhounds, Drogkar, Stone People, Shaidar Haran, Paddan Fane, Slayer, the Golan, Black Wind, White Cloaks, Chan Armies, Sharan Army, Red Veiled Aeel, uh, blah, 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 fake foxes and snakes, an extensive list of dark friends and otherwise shitty people. Hey, Greg, 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 language, <laughs> language, and of course, weevils which i think is fantastic (laughs) they wobble but they don't fall down uh with a list this crowded not everyone could fulfill their potential like Fane, but it's an impressive and diverse cast of villainy do you agree if so who is your favorite non-forsaken force for evil in the series uh yes i I think you're right i mean greg 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 13 has proven greg 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 13's own point by listing such an impressive array of bad guys and i didn't even read through them all i skipped half of it but um yeah, obviously. That's and, uh, a very impressive list. Who's our favorite, though? Definitely not Pot on Fane, because what a wasted because, opportunity. Yeah, oh
2: my gosh, that character should have been huh? so good. He's the
0: Captain Phasma of the Wheel of Time. <laughs> really, really he's, is. he's more of an action figure than a character. He's, he's, Bo- Bo- on, he's Boba Fane. Pot <laughs> on Phasma. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts? Who's your favorite? Uh... I kind of find it interesting, though. I mean, I, I agree, but how often, if you look back, that we complained about things like, why are we bothering with the white cloaks? They are such a waste of time. Why, no. like a lot of them, there's it's a good gallery, but not all of them are good. No, not no. all of them are useful either. Like, um, specifically the white cloaks are what come to mind for me. Like i i I don't think that this series. I think if you dropped them out of the series entirely, you would affect the Two Rivers plotline a little bit. Right, but you could have just as easily done that with Trollocs. I'd I'd probably drop. Mm. I I wish.
1: I wish that the red-veiled Aiel had been introduced way, way sooner. Yes. Mm-hmm. They would have been very, very fun they as a bad so guy. Cool. They were so cool. They're so creepy and weird and mm-hmm. gross. And and it's a fascinating and heartbreaking story, you know, with the Aiel being sent to kill the Dark One, and then they're just immediately turned. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, there's another one. Mm-hmm. Grab yeah. him. Put him in, I in the my, circle.
3: I think my favorite villain construct outside of Ishmael and, and Morden, that character, is uh, Shida Haran. The, that's who i was the, gonna say the the fade the giant fade oh, yeah. the that, that. that basically is the dark one incarnate the, uh, yeah. the a rapey one that turns into that that creepy little husk thing at the end when yeah. there's the dark essence and mm-hmm. just the idea like first of all meerdral in general are super cool they get a little bit downplayed as our heroes get a little bit more powerful and as they level like, up yeah as they level up and you know okay rand can take out a meerdral anytime he wants to but the you know the whole eyeless gaze and the you know striking fear and the their ability to transport through shadows is so cool because like even the forsaken are like wait who's this the oh the Murdraw, yeah yeah so they can use shadows to like basically travel to jump and uh the the forsaken don't know how it's done and they're like super envious of it but Murdraw in general and then he's basically just like super shredder Murdraw. And so that guy's pretty
0: sweet. You know who I wish that we had a little more clarity about because once you know a little more about him, he's actually really, really cool. Christopher Columbus. Yes. No. <laughs> um, uh, Slayer. Oh, okay. Yeah. His that plot line is kind of sub to a lot of other pieces, and so it doesn't really get a lot of weight. But I mean, he I would have loved to have seen I, I want to say is he Land's brother. Lance. Luke, yeah. Um, something like something that. Like that yeah. I mean, that would have been a showdown to see. Mm-hmm. Like, have him pop out and land, see him. Like, what the... Mm-hmm. You know, I would have loved to have explored that a little bit more because I think the amount of power he had in Teleron Riod, um, where what his lineage is, there could have been some really cool things done with that. I, and I, I liked him. I think I that's... Oh, go ahead, Ken.
2: Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, I think that's the prime problem with most of the villains in this entire series mm-hmm. is I, I would have liked to have seen so many of them fleshed out just a lot more.
1: I feel that way. It about would be a really, acha. it would be a really yeah.
2: cool short story
3: about Slayer and Luke and growing up in the Valley of Thakandar, wherever mm-hmm. that village was that he was talking about. It reminded me of Ender's shadow when you have Bean walking around and he's like this tiny little dude and he's trying yeah. to, he like lived on the streets, but like a million times worse. And so yeah. I would love to have like a short story or even like a full novel on Slayer and Luke and how he like grew up in yeah. there and, yeah. and, and just learning all of his abilities. Cause that is
2: a super cool character. I would have liked to have seen more of the Black Aja. I wish <laughs> that I could have known more about the motivations between each of the, or at least more of the Forsaken, because honestly, maybe nine of those 13 Forsaken were just pointless to me. I don't, I didn't care about any can of Can you them. name
0: all the Forsaken? Ooh, oh, ooh. Outside oh, of oh, Kyle, can anyone here name all Okay, the hold, on, hold on, hold on. I, wanna, I, wanna Hang I <laughs> gotta
1: write these down as you go so I can, so we don't repeat. <laughs> all right, so we've got...
0: Ishamael
2: or or uh you know, Ishamiel. Yep. Ishamiel. We're running into the names problem as well. Robin.
1: <laughs> Robin.
2: Uh Demondred. Demondred. Grindal.
1: Greendall.
2: Now we're running into Sim-A-rag.
1: I'm not even spelling these um, right. I don't care.
2: Asmodion Asmodian. Belal. Belal. Um uh, No,
1: that's no. Ishamael. That's right. That's right. Uh who are the two the twins? Well,
2: Osungar and Arangar. Osengar. But Osingar was But who Belal. were they first?
1: Yeah. Erengar. Bel-all, oh Bellal is the repeat okay. yeah
2: Belal right. and so osingar okay. are the same one, no iron gar are the same one of the guards one of the guards Landfear.
1: <laughs> Land uh we're missing masana Whoa, uh oh that's right sana uh,
2: it said Simarug, right
1: yeah yeah the spider so we've oh, got Mo-Gideon. one two three four five Mo-Gideon. six seven eight nine ten eleven mo gideon
2: i can do this i can do this
1: Oops. Okay, yeah, uh, that's 11 out of, what, 13? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Who are, Oh, did we say Samael? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Semi-L. Semi-L. Missing
3: Bees, it's the bees. Anybody know who he's missing? <laughs> Anybody know yeah, who yeah, he's missing? It starts with the He's the first dude to go down.
1: Yeah. The very a... first
3: Forsaken to go down in the whole series. Oh, uh, in, the, starts,
2: in the uh, eye of the world. It's not it's, uh, It starts with a B,
0: though.
3: No, you said Bilal already. Okay, who is it? Aganor. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Wasn't Aganor, was it Aganor, or was it- Aganor was the other- who um, created the Trollocs? Was it Agnor. Also, was it Aginor? Okay,
2: yeah. Aginor was the other Gar twin.
1: Well, there you go. Hey, we just—it's uh, not great radio, but we got all thirteen Forsaken at, yeah. with Kyle's help. Yeah. thanks, buddy.
2: And Mahale.
1: And okay, so who's our favorite? AU <laughs> wants to know who our favorite um, Forsaken is. Mine is uh, definitely definitely Lanfear, because of the. Because She's hot. Obviously, because she's <laughs> hot. No, because of the twist at the end where you think, oh, maybe she's not so awful after all and then no she is she's the mm-hmm. worst ever <laughs> um, so I, I really love her character mm-hmm. she's probably my favorite Forsaken quick Ryan who's your favorite Forsaken uh, and why is it Moiraine Moiraine, Moiraine? is my favorite Forsaken
0: <laughs> no um, either Morden Morden, Lanfear, and Grendel are the three that I've, I can remember the most about their stories it's because um, the
2: only three that had more than cursory still backstory yeah. well,
0: Samuel had a good chunk too I think Kyle's um, going to
1: choose um, who was stuck in the desert with Rand. Asmodeon. Asmodian yeah, he's cool. I wanted—I'd be stuck in the desert with Grendel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would. I—I <laughs> I wanted it to be Demondred, but they just—they made him kind of worthless up until the end, and yeah. it's disappointing. I also would have liked to know more about Robin.
1: Um, um, Demondred was for me. He was frustrating just because he was so stupid. Yes, I know you're here, Loostheren. See, like, no, that, you're a friggin' moron. Shut yeah, up. That's, <laughs>
3: that's the whole disappointing Go back to thing. bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moradin is or Ishamiel is my favorite, but yeah. barring him, he's pretty. He's like the easy choice. Um, I'd probably actually go with Demondred. Okay. I like Demondred. I really like all of the subtle things that happen throughout the series and the prologues as he shows up and you're just like, oh, what's this guy up to? Yeah. Anyways, all right, cool.
2: That's why I say the payoff wasn't enough for me for sure. all of those little things.
3: And I think that's fair. I think a lot of people have that same that same view.
1: Um, okay. Who do we have? Andronikus, I'm going Andronicus. with Andronicus on this yeah. one. But it's Uh <laughs> Asks about... Um, he, he gives us a nice bullet list. Best action scene, emotional scene, satisfying scene, funniest moment, saddest moment. I like those last two. Funniest moment and saddest moment. Um, I, I, I can't come up with one right off the top of my head, but I like the question, so I want to think about it. But uh, Does anybody moment, else have one?
0: Rand and Matt having, Rand, a, Rand and having their discussion competition. at the end. Yep. Yeah. Their competition was one of my favorite moments between them, because especially considering it contrasted with how dark everything else was going, these two friends coming back and just one-upping each other about yes. what they've done. Okay, I love that.
3: Um, I love when Rand tries to tell the joke to the Aiel, and so like... <laughs> because he, he doesn't get ideal humor and they're like, I don't know, whatever. And he tells this whole elaborate joke about this guy, this farmer that, you know, I don't know, scorned this, his neighbor or whatever. And something about him falling around of a tree. And he like gives the punchline and they all just stare at him. Like he's an idiot. And, yeah. and he's just like, what? And they're like, wait, what is that? And they all just like wetlander humor. I don't get it. And I just thought that was a really funny scene. Cause he's trying to be with them and he can't. It's Yeah. that you know, it was
1: great a funny moment for me i actually i i think i made reference to this at the very beginning in my insults but uh i'm really disappointed that loyal turned out to be so lame Uh, like as a story as a story piece uh Uh, but i did like the bits where um so he's he's wringing his hands and complaining the whole time that oh if my mother will marry me off i can't go back (laughs) i don't want to get married and then once he does get married it's um she has the most wonderful ears or whatever like uh, you know and all those little things and everybody's just kind of looking at him like whatever dude <laughs> whatever you know and, and but he just can't stop talking about what what's her name uh, uh Aerith. Aerith. Aerith's ears are so droopy or whatever i i i really liked those bits so anyway yeah. still
2: best action sequence probably still do as wells I, I think that one was probably the one that stands out the very most for me.
0: That one's like that one's just the most horrific. Oh my gosh! <laughs> up, it's, it, yeah, it's it's one of the best ones out there. Period. Absolutely. Um, I would still say I would put up there almost on par with it, though. Um, Lan and Demondred. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was a great moment. That was yes, so mm-hmm. great. Um,
2: well, and, and Lan and the two Murdral. like and for for quick hit for quick hit action, that thing. Anytime, literally made my jaw drop i mean <laughs> I, I literally i read the, i was like
0: holy yeah okay when it comes yeah. to action sequences you so eloquent it's, ken it I really is you could see it when we get the video going land goes into action like legitimately and starts to showcase his high-end talents and not just hacking down a few guys like it's an action sequence worth remembering it's yes. pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah. um, probably one of mine
3: and, besides those two because those are like obviously they jump out uh, Matt taking out Galad and Gowan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When yeah. he's like the basically tower. can't even stand up and he still
0: takes them down. Yeah, it's pretty, cool. pretty good. Matt and the Golam another good one mm-hmm. yes. along those lines. Uh, okay, so. Saddest moment, Rand and um, Tam. Rand and Tam. Mm-hmm. Rand and Tam. Oh, Absolutely. when he, uh, when when he, he, he almost nearly, kills Tam.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was good. That broke me.
0: Over
3: for me. Oh, good one. It, Happiest, both. Happiest and saddest oh, right moment. Right before is, he blows the horn. Is when he's when it, you can just see the image of like that Trolloc reaching through and like scratching him and trying to get to him. And yeah. I can just see the panic in like like in
2: over and yeah. Anyways. That might be most emotional. Most emotional and saddest probably pretty close together, but most satisfying scene, uh, probably when Elida gets taken by the Shan Chan. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good choice. Uh, okay, I'd say the igloo next. would be the most satisfying <laughs> scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Thanks, Kyle. You're welcome. Uh, bringing, <laughs> it, bringing it back into the blue. I figured we
3: were getting a little bit too, you know, professional, and we got to bring us all back down a little <laughs> bit.
0: It's been a while since we've used the phrase did it in <laughs> <laughs> it 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 and and igloo. Did it in igloo. Uh,
1: All right, so next question comes from what are you looking at? <laughs> 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 Uh, who asks, what did you like or dislike about the Randland curses? Which ones are you most or le- least likely to use, you sheep-gutted, mother's milk-spilling, goat-kissing trolux? Uh Well, oh, now I'm not sure you deserve an answer. Uh, <laughs> no, the, th- the thing I like about them is that they, I don't know who did this first. Um, I don't know who the first author was to kind of really integrate uh, curses into their world but uh, uh but this this one is really good mm-hmm. uh, robert jordan mm-hmm. is really good at doing this and so he finds curses that make sense for his characters so they're not uh, using damn and hell all the time and, and that, that and what i like is they, they don't
3: feel forced i've read some series where they do try to create their own curse words and it feels too forced like oh, i'm right. trying to make this a curse word but
1: one of the one of the things that i think uh, works for that, and so maybe authors can take note. Um, if you're writing a book, you should use your curses before you ever explain what they mean. And mm-hmm. so Matt is constantly yeah. talking about bloody ashes, this and bloody ashes that, and he never actually really explains where that one came from. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, people are calling each other light blinded idiots all the time. That's my favorite curse because mm-hmm. that's the one that's constantly going through my head. Is my think wife? About
3: myself. My wife consistently says, "Mother's milk in a cup." <laughs> <laughs> So, um,
1: yeah. So there, and I think that's a trick is okay. Light blinded idiot. That one kind of makes sense because we talk about the light, um, Mm -hmm. uh, in the wheel of time a lot. Uh, but, um, but we don't understand that until well after the first time we hear the curse. Right. Mm -hmm. And then some of the curses, like we've mentioned, mother's milk in a cup, what, or, (laughs) you know, uh, we we don't know what these mean when they're being used and then they're, it's explained later. So it makes and my, sense. My favorite but. thing
3: is that Elaine collects curses. Yes. Like yes. that. She's supposed to be this like super regal queen and she just wants to know all the dirty words.
1: <laughs> um, okay. So Gymtastic Gymtasticness asks, forgive me if it's, Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, we did already answer that one. Sorry. Jimtasticness. Um, w wh- Okay. A Cat Named Bacon. Uh, wow. <laughs> a Cat Named Bacon asks, what's the biggest change the TV series is going to have to make? Uh, Kyle, we've already talked about replacing Min. Yep. Uh, what other changes do you think we're going to have to make?
3: Uh, you're going to have to take a machete to half of the storylines. Yeah, that's that's so. the
1: thing. Is I, I I was thinking about, okay, could you fit all this stuff in? You could not. Uh each one of these
0: books is worth an entire season I, depending on how long you wanna make your series yeah yeah exactly. i bet
3: I would bet that they are going to seriously tone down one power usage because that's just too much c g i and too much going on that they're gonna seriously tone that down until it's really epic like like a doais's wells or something like that um there's just so much like if you if you put it in contrast to Game of Thrones because it's the big fantasy TV right. series that's there. There's so little magic that happens in Game of Thrones because of the way the, the world is set up. This is very different in World of right. Time and it would be so much more difficult. So I would I would say my big go to would be other than obviously trimming the story itself. Um, I bet that they toned down one power usage by more than
1: half. I I think I disagree with that. If I were writing the series or if I were producing the series, um, I would just ask you to be more creative Mm -hmm. in how to present it Mm -hmm. rather than just like kind of Harry Pottering some like slime out of a wand or whatever he does Mm -hmm. in Harry Potter. Um, We're going to have to come up with a creative way. And so in my mind, it might be kind of cool to uh, there's the scene in book. I want to say when uh when Nynaeve is facing off against is it Mogideon Mm -hmm. and uh and he kind of describes how if somebody were to come in and see them it would just be two women standing there staring at each other Mm -hmm. but in fact this battle is just raging the way Mm -hmm. he describes it is intense and it's insane and I think you could have a situation where like uh, you could you have these two women or two characters standing 10 feet away from each other just staring and then you kind of whoosh, you mm-hmm. do a little switch and you do a, a stranger things style upside down place where you got this black space with you know and they're standing on water whatever the mm-hmm. images you want to use sure and uh, and then they have a, mm-hmm. a sort of physical confrontation there and mm-hmm. they I make think it's it very, more interesting you'd to be
3: very you'd have to be very creative with when you're going to show the weaves themselves right and when you're just going to show the effects of the weaves right and it's all going to depend on the emotional scale of the scene and all of that and what's actually going on but but yeah i mean i I think i think that we're actually on the same page i think that that's kind of what i mean by toning down is like you're not going to see every time somebody channels the glow and the weave and the you might just see the effect of it or or they'll just say like
1: I thought you meant they would have to use magic less.
3: Well, I think that they will do that as well. I think right. it's a little bit of both.
1: Um, uh, okay. Anyways, so, uh, you, oh, What was uh, what else was I going to say? Oh yeah, if I were going to change the TV series, you said take a machete to the first. Well, or the, to, to a the, lot of the story. A lot that, of the story. I mean, I guess I'm just thinking again. We we go back to a wheel of or not wheel of time to uh, what's the series Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. where mm-hmm. we're discovering now there is such a thing as fatigue. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how good your show is. I think Game of Thrones is maybe top five TV programs ever made. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is fatigue that sets in, not just for the viewer, although I think that's the most serious one, Mm -hmm. but also for the team making it. The last season of, or I should say season seven of Game of Thrones, not good, Mm -hmm. not good. And at a certain point, um, it's partly, partly the writers are to blame because Martin isn't on the team anymore. But then also at a certain point, it's just like, They've been doing this project for seven years. Mm-hmm. They're they're creatively bankrupt, and they need to move on to a different and series, right? So there is fatigue. And I also but,
0: think traditional. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, it's, I think that there's probably some truth to that, but there's one thing that's going to be a huge difference between looking at Game of Thrones now and Wheel of Time when it's done, and that's the fact that Wheel of Time is done. That's true. Mm-hmm. Some of the issues that they're dealing with is now we're writing on our. Like, right. We're writing mm-hmm. this and running it on our own. They won't have to deal with that with Wheel of Time That's at all. They point. know where and, they're going.
3: And I also do think that we're, especially with this last season of Game of Thrones, we're, we're products of our time like we talked about before. We're, we're now expecting a full season to be instantly available to us thanks to Netflix and Amazon and things like that. And the traditional release of releasing an episode once a week, you know, the fans have grown fatigued of that. They don't want to sit and wait. And so when you get an episode that maybe isn't perfectly done because of writing or because of, you know, the story's not done. And so they're trying to figure it out. It's a bit more of a letdown cause you get, you watch it for an hour and you can't get to the next thing that makes whatever that letdown right. is pay off. And you know, we're products of that now where we want it all at once. And so we want the full season to just binge through. So I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do and how they do it, but they'll have to trim
2: a lot of storylines, probably a lot of characters. Well, the I nice, the nice thing that they have going <laughs> for them with the, uh, you know release an entire season uh concept now is is you can make that season as long as you want it doesn't have to be 24 26 episodes Mm -hmm. and it can i mean i think we've all seen pretty clearly that that shorter seasons is is better at least it fosters better content but they're still going to have to not just take a machete to the content uh, consolidate characters Mm -hmm. uh, like we're talking about getting rid of men you're gonna have to get rid of a whole bunch of characters and a lot of characters gonna have to do things that others were doing
0: i don't think you will see it with any of the primary or secondary characters i don't think so either no um i i don't think men's going anywhere no i don't think so either like Um, i said that would be my choice but i don't think that she actually will be gone some of the tertiary ones will go i actually wouldn't be surprised if they mess with the forsaken a little bit Mm -hmm. and maybe kind of trimmed that or brought that into a smaller grouping or something like Mm -hmm. that um but they, if they we've learned anything from, whether it be Game of Thrones or any of these other series, whatever, is they know what a rabid fan base can do to a project if you mess with it too much. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, some some fan bases just don't care enough, like Shannara, because people should be more up in arms about what they've done to that series. Oh my god, <laughs> that thing. Was oh, but boy. I, I think that if they have in if they have any desire to not just not just appease fans because that's a dangerous thing to just work to appease fans, but to do this story justice to do everything, they are going to have to triple check any time they take a razor to a character. Mm-hmm. Well that's that's my thing is there's there's fan appeasement, and I think like you said, that's bad.
1: Um however I would counter that just by saying there's a reason this story has so many fans find out what those reasons are and stay true to them mm-hmm. and in doing so you will largely appease the fans mm-hmm. you know kind and, of as a byproduct yep. of that. and the fan base right. is
3: intelligent enough for the most part intelligent enough they know that converting a 14 book series they're gonna have to lose some things yep. you know what I mean they they're aware of
1: that like more gays will die in season three just deal with it
3: <laughs> yeah but
1: because she's supposed to and
3: that's okay because hopefully we'll take you know there are the 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 few hardcore that oh it should be exactly on screen as it is on page and that's not the case but we're okay if they trim it but just don't be smart about it don't take matt out you know something like that would be
1: obviously so fun story we've just talked for 55 minutes already cool uh so what i want to do there are other things to go through on reddit uh but they are long comments especially from ashiman colden uh and please explain thanks and so we will not have time to go through those but i'm gonna make an effort and maybe you guys can to hop on the uh the subreddit there and we can address those in writing at least <laughs> um but i do want to oh i wanted to bring up something ryan wanted to talk about so ashiman colden uh mentioned he he goes through i assume he i'm sorry ashaman i assume he uh goes through all of the titles of the books and gives uh, his reasons for why he thinks those yeah. titles are the case uh the one i wanted to bring up was we were kind of stumped last time about why a memory of light is called that and ryan you had a good theory to that you want to let us in on, on I had your a good theory? theory was it yours no or? it was kyle that had kyle, a good theory. sorry
3: oh yeah um Well, The Memory of Light was Jordan's planned title for his last book before Sanderson split it into three. Right. Um, And so, you know, they kept that, obviously, because that was what they wanted. They wanted to pay homage to him, and that was the title. But I actually think that the title comes from the ending of Gathering Storm, when Rand actually has his epiphany on Dragon Mount, and you see the Pillar of Light come down, and and Egwene comments on seeing the light, and it was a welcome sight from all the darkness that has happened before. So, kind of weird, because... Book 14's title, the event actually happens in book 12. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's m- what I think it is. that's Nobody has said that that's what it is. But to me, that's what makes sense. Because mm-hmm. had Jordan written it how he wanted to, that scene would have ended up in the final book, which would have been entitled A Memory of yeah, Life.
0: I, my closest thing that I've come up with theory-wise is similar. Mm-hmm. Um, it connects to that moment. And I actually, for me, I've reconciled it with being Rand connecting with um the loose there and part of his thread mm-hmm. and kind of reconciling all that and taking all those memories and becoming like when he says you know you can call me ran sadai and mm-hmm. all those moments having those things that the it's no longer the madman loose there and it's it's the the light that was the dragon mm-hmm. from that he remembers that and connects all those together now yep. that's how i've put it together yeah
1: absolutely um uh, okay so last person that i'll address is jack of the shadows um you, let's see number one any plans to read the prequel new spring we already talked about that yes we will at some point uh one of the largest topics of discussion in the Watt subreddit and on the dragon mount forums is the identity of nakomi i'm curious to see if you guys have any thoughts or if craig even cares he does not he does not uh no i mean i care a little bit i I would like to know, but I'm not curious enough to try to puzzle it out or, mm-hmm. or posit any theories or anything. So, um, Nakomi. Yeah, it was an interesting scene and I wish that I knew who it was, but oh well. Um, and I then think it was,
2: I think it was, uh, Avienda's great granddaughter. Come back in time. So
0: there you go. I, I've got a, I'm sure this is, exists on a theory based somewhere already. Um, I have a feeling that there are counter forsaken, that exist in the service of the creator that aren't like, they're not part of a community, they don't talk to each other or anything, but they influence things in the pattern at just the right moments. It's the Tom Bombadils. Oh, I was
1: thinking like John the Beloved or something. Sure.
0: Sure. I was going with Tom Bombadil. (laughs) 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 I went
1: went biblical, you went quasi-biblical.
0: Yeah. But characters like that that have, they are incredibly powerful people with a major effect of the pattern if you knew what they were. Right. Um, And we probably run into them, like, you know, maybe there's three or four of them in the whole story, and she's one of them. Bella's another. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bella the creator. Yep. Uh, Okay, and
1: then last, and I think this uh, last question from Jack of the Shadows is a good one to take us out, and that is, uh, where does this rank on your all-time lists? I know it's at the top of my list, although Stormlight might blow it out in 20 years um but anyway does where does this rank on your all-time lists kyle i I feel like i'm safe in saying this is number one on yours yep Yep. do you want to just final thought us out of wheel of time with that why is this number one and uh give us your last thoughts
3: um for me because again there's no accounting for taste so whatever it's the most well-conceived the best foreshadowed story of our time um i can i can read this book i could read this story over and over and over and over again and never get tired of it and probably learn something new every single time that i read it um it's you know obviously we've talked about different flaws and things like that but it's probably the best whole story that i've ever read
1: yeah Ken, your list is probably fairly short because I know that of the four of us, you're the newest well, to fantasy literature. It's
2: it's getting longer and more extensive though, and I would rank right. this pretty highly. Uh, mostly for for many of those same reasons, but also I, I found a sense of investment in in uh, the characters in in many of them. Uh, I we had a lot of complaints at the beginning about you know the the bickering and, and uh, well, women are this, oh men are that, and and calling. But the characters became very relatable through very much of the series, and and I found myself caring what happens to them. I I would reread this again. I mean, probably not, you know, so tomorrow. Sure it's been a while since we've had a good braid but, tugging. Yes. <laughs> hey well, stop touching so, me some of us yeah well craig does
0: have his arms underneath his breasts that's true
1: <laughs> i have my arms folded under, underneath my sizable man breasts
2: i i would rank this still behind sanderson but you know but that's okay. just
0: me uh ryan debating third or fourth on my list okay. um so what's one two, or two uh stormlight and Mistborn. Okay. um just yeah uh go back to those episodes you'll see why um this one I'm trying to decide on a personal level whether or not this bumps uh, the Belgariad. Oh, right, because that was kind of a real nostalgic one for you, like a real It was a real entry one. point for me. It yeah. was a real big one um, for me, and uh, not necessarily that I believe if you're asking for literary prowess and things like that, this, that's not the list that I'm giving you. Um, personal, like if I'm looking down the, the shelf and I'm going, I have to read something, in what, order what makes you feel warmest and fuzziest yeah stormlight archive mistborn i will probably give three to the belgariad and fourth to this one with yeah, potential yeah. Of swap there and um fifth will be the lord of the rings okay yeah nice uh it, it made it to my top five how hey, do you feel about that i do I the feel. the silmarillion is still number 12 but <laughs> <laughs> that's because you've read approximately
1: 50 pages of it um Okay, Uh, I would, anybody who knows me knows I'm putting Lord of the Rings at the top. It's uh, nearly untouchable for me. Um, Just, again, like you said, Kyle, Mm -hmm. it's aesthetics, it's, uh, you know, no accounting for tastes, Mm -hmm. and that is right in line with my taste. Um, But uh, number two, I'm actually going to give number two to Mistborn. Stormlight, I will leave off the list until we're at least through with the first cycle, so the first five books. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to see how, how this goes. Um, uh, stormlight anyway. Uh, so Lord of the Rings, Mistborn. And then I would put Wheel of Time number three. I have a lot uh, a lot of complaints and I have voiced those many, mm-hmm. many times over the last uh, freaking almost 30 episodes that we've done on Wheel of Time. But um, it, but the reason, it's kind of like I wouldn't have these complaints if I didn't care mm-hmm. and he makes me care mm-hmm. um, a lot. And so it's a really well-conceived, well-written, interesting story with a lot of well-conceived, well-written, interesting characters and events and places and magic and all that stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, I would easily put it number three right now. Um, Number four would probably be Shannara after that for the reasons that you said about Belgariad. But anyway, so yeah, I think uh, this ranks highly for all of us. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Come on, Ryan. We all said oh, Come yeah. on I refuse. Okay. <laughs> uh, Free will. <laughs> <laughs> you don't it's a,
2: have any,
3: you're in the pattern. <laughs>
1: it's a thing. It's a thing, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, let's go ahead and run, like I said up top, uh, patreon.com slash legendarium is where you can support the show. Uh, if you have enjoyed the Wheel of Time series that we have uh, created, um, we would love your support, especially if you haven't gone and done that yet on Patreon. Um, obviously we put these out for free and, uh, are happy to continue doing. So I want to do that forever, but we also appreciate any help that you can send our way. So patreon.com slash legendarium is where you can support the show. Uh, the Please visit that and, uh, comment on this episode's thread. And I may put one up on the wheel of time subreddit as well, but we have our own. So go use ours too. And uh, anything else before we cut and run, you guys? One more shout out for
3: our homies, A hey, Machinations. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As a fan base, you are always wanted and needed.
1: <laughs> I would do it with all of you in an igloo at once. Now let's well... get to the <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get really uncomfortable in this new studio all of a sudden. Hello, friends. <laughs> let's go. All right. See you guys for Narnia. Bye.